I'm fitting somebody for glasses, I usually start with the frame first. And there's the wrap of the frame is important. So if you were, if you want to block a lot of the sun and you want the glasses to fit well, you know, in case you're getting active out there and you don't want them to fall off, you want something that's going to wrap pretty well. And that's in the industry is called eight base curve. And then the smaller the curve, the flatter the glasses get. So if you were to get, you know, you're wearing eyeglasses, those are probably a two or a four based really flat. And then the eight is pretty much the highest. And that that is a wrap. So it wraps around your uh, eyes, it wraps around your face, and it keeps a lot of the sun out, right? So I I start I would start with asking somebody if they were going to wear these for fishing. And if they said, yeah, then I'd push them into an eight base wrap frame. Then there's a lot of different ways to block the light on the frame. You can block them with a the side shield. You can block the sun with a fat temple. Um, and then we have something that for those folks who want to be a little more subtle, uh, it's, it's sort of a hidden sun shield. We call it our sun ledge. But, um, you know, that's that's where I would start. And then it's hard to fit people in sunglasses sometimes because it's not just apparel where you have extra large, large, medium, and small. Uh, but that's kind of where we start just to get in the ballpark. You know, you want to get a pair of glasses, a frame that's going to fit your face. Um, and so looking at, you know, are you a large or an extra large or medium or small uh, gets you in the right ballpark. So we'd, we'd start with that. And then we'd look at the lens and the lens is the most important part of the whole package. And it depends on what kind of fishing you're going to be doing. But for folks who are sight fishing on rivers or in saltwater, uh, usually you want something that the base lens colors in the brown family. And what we find is that the more red you put into that brown, the more contrast you're going to get and the better you can see fish down in the water column and against the bottom. So we have two lenses that have a red base. Uh, they're the only ones in the industry that do. And one has the pink mirror, the other has a purple mirror. And those are really great for sight fishing uh, when you need to see what you're casting at. Uh, and then we have silver and, and green as well. And those are a little darker and really good for flats fishing when that sun is super bright. So we've got four different lenses, each for that that type of condition where you need to see the fish against the bottom and down in the water column. There's a vent on the side. And what does it do again? Well, what you're trying to do when you wear, you know, when you pick glasses for fishing is you want to block as much sun from coming in the sides of the glasses and the top and the bottom. Uh, the sun does a couple of things. One, it creates glare so it's hard makes it harder to see but the other thing it can do is let harmful rays in that are going to hurt your eyes uh, from a health standpoint so when you look in a lot of glasses they'll say we're a hundred percent uv protection well that's coming through the front of the lens but that doesn't count coming through the side of the lens and so using have, picking a frame that's going to block as much of that sun as possible is really important for eye health and also for your ability to see. So some people like a really wide temple on their glasses that helps block a lot of that sun. Some people like a side shield. You know, the old-timey kind had leather. Yeah. You know, like the glacier glasses and stuff. 
Uh, and the ones today are a little bit more sophisticated than that. Um, and you don't see the side shield as much, but it's there. So when I get when I have that thick side shield there or the 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 vent there that you're talking about, how do I keep in and we fit let me back up, we fish tailwaters quite a bit here. Uh, so the water's really cold and we're in the south. So during the summer, you know, it's a it's might be a hundred degrees out outside when you're sitting in a drift boat. It's a little cooler, but when the fog rolls in or whatever, then your glass is fogged. And the it seems like the more I pull my down like this, it'll clear that up. So what do you do about that? You want to make sure that you have airflow. So it really comes um it's really just about picking the right pair for your face. But when you're looking at um, a pair of frames, you want to make sure that they're not too tight uh, and they're not letting any air flow through the sides or the top or the bottom. So that airflow is what's going to prevent fogging. We also have vents that are in the side shields, and that helps facilitate airflow and reduce the amount of fogging uh, that happens. Usually, you know, you're going to get some fog when you go from air conditioning out into like hot, humid, right. and there's really not a ton you can do about that. You may just want to take your glasses off and let them acclimate for a couple minutes before you put them on your face. But other than that, you know, when you're out there, you just want to have a fit that gives you a little bit of flow and you should be okay. So that explains why whenever I move them away from my face down to the bridge of my nose, a lot of times they'll clear up. And then I'll move them back up, especially if you're like real hot, sweating, but then you sit down and then, you know, you're close to that water or you're waiting, I guess, same thing. So, so a vent there, that's what I was always wondering, you know, what could I do other than moving the glasses down? What could I do? So a vent there probably would help. Would, would like a cleaner or a anti-fog, would that help or would you recommend that? Uh, you can you can try some of that stuff, but uh, I think just keeping some air flowing through there is usually the best solution. Yeah, proper fit. That sounds like that's key. We look at lenses, but we don't always look well. So I, I look at lenses and I look at the style of glasses I like, and then I try to close them off on my face as much as I can so that light doesn't get in. But what this is telling me is I might need to reconsider that. So already some very useful information. Go ahead and get this intro in. From high atop the world headquarters of Southeastern Fly, this is the Southeastern Fly podcast. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Feel free to share it with your friends and fishing partners. Subscribe or follow so you'll be the first to know when a new episode drops. If you found value in this podcast, drop by the Southeastern Fly store and explore the merch that fuels the Southeastern Fly podcast. Sales of the merch is what keeps this podcast coming to you each month. So who is our guest today? Uh, he's an advisor and consultant for companies in the outdoor industry. He invested much of his career in eyewear. He's the founder uh, and CEO of Bahio Sunglasses. He's a Southern boy. He's from Charlotte, North Carolina. And we talked just a minute before this podcast, and he's he's lived a lot of the places that I've lived. Please welcome to the podcast, Al Perkinson. Al Appreciate you stopping by. Thanks for having me, David. I really appreciate it. Glad to be here. So that was uh, that first question. I think if it doesn't do if it doesn't do anything else for anybody else, it may help me understand what I should be doing for sunglasses. And it probably is out there on the web somewhere. But hearing it from someone who's been in the business as long as you have, uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. 
I think helps me understand what I should be looking for when I'm buying a pair. So that first answer was spot on. I like that. Well, let's move on to the second question now. We're keeping this episode pretty tight around sight fishing or seeing fish. So when looking for fish in a freshwater river, now I know there's different clarities and stuff like that. Give us tips to spot fish in three different scenarios. Let, first, let's talk about seeing fish on the bottom. Give me some tips there on how someone out there listening can see fish better on the bottom in a river. Well, we were talking a little bit earlier about the lens that you choose. And a lens with a brown base or brownish red or red is going to allow for a lot more contrast. And so what you'll see when you're looking at the bottom is you'll see a fish pop against the bottom. You'll be able, instead of it just blending in and looking like the bottom, you'll actually be able to see the fish pop. So that's what I would recommend in terms of glasses is get a pair of lenses that have a red base, a reddish brown base, even a brown base, and it's going to give you more contrast and help you see see that fish. I think in general, you know, it's really about reading the water and and no, you know, not knowing, but at least at least being able to guess where the fish are going to be hanging out. And then, you know, when they're close to the bottom, lots of times you don't see the fish, you kind of see the shadow. So I always look for shadows more so than I look for the body of the fish. Um, you know, I think that's that's basically it for that deep water situation. It's it's hard to see those fish. Uh, and lots of times, you know, you don't see them until they move a little bit. You know, the other thing is that I try not to look too hard. And it's more of a let your eyes relax and just kind of scan the water without staring really hard at it. And if your eye picks up something that, you know, your brain is just telling, hmm, that might be a fish, then stop and look a little harder at that. But um, when you're just scanning and kind of looking for fish, I, I just wouldn't look too hard. Just keep your eyes relaxed and just sort of slowly scan the bottom. That's uh, that's right along the lines of what I do. I play a game with myself called Not a Fish. As I'm, I, I kind of scan. I'm like, yep, not a fish, not a fish, not a fish. Oop, what was that? And I think that's probably what you're talking about. That's your brain saying, "Hold on, <laughs> you're thinking that's not a fish, but it's something different or something that should make you feel like, okay, that might be a fish." So yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. It's to me, it's easier to do that than for somebody to say, Hey, there's a fish right there. And they're pointing at it with their rod sometimes. I'm like, Dude, I don't even see this. I still don't see the fish you're talking about because I'm focused so much on that particular fish that I, I sometimes I just can't see it until I, you know, relax and look off and look back. So that makes a lot of sense. That answers that's a good answer right there. So if we, if we start moving up the water column, what would you suggest there? you know, from mid-range and then obviously those up toward the top are usually pretty easy to see, but mid-range, you know, the down couple feet, something like that, and, and more not necessarily in a fast-moving river all the time, you know, one where there's a lot of cover and stuff, but maybe a, some of the places where it's not moving so fast. What in the mid-range column, is there something you do different there? I don't know. Again, I think it's about reading the water and thinking about where a fish is going to be hanging out. So if there's, you know, a deep pool behind a boulder and the river's going around it, if there's a seam, then 
those fish are going to exert as little effort as they possibly can to get as many calories as they possibly can. So lots of times they'll be hanging out in a little bit slower, deeper area close to the fast water. And that seam is the sweet spot because what they do is they just sort of drift over and pick up some food coming down through that fast water. And then they go back into the slower water. Uh, so I think just understanding things like that uh, gets you right, gets you in the zone. The other is, you know, I love streamer fishing and looking mm-hmm. for those little potholes uh, where, you know, there's a big old brown just sitting back in there waiting to pounce on something. You know, they would be more in the middle of the water column in that situation and then just cast it in there and running it past and see if, see if anybody's home. Those those are the best things. The the high sun the high contrast lenses still work in that situation because you are looking against the bottom, even if they are in the middle of that uh, water column. And so I think the high contrast lenses help you see a little bit better uh, there as well. But again, I think it's reading that water and knowing how fish behave that gets you close. Um, and then, you know, if you're lucky, you spot them. If not, you know, you're drifting along and, you know, they'll come up and show themselves on top with a bug in their mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Amen to that brother. (laughs) So I guess probably the thing to remember is that there's no, and I've, we've preached this from day one, there's no silver bullet. You know, there's not one thing that you're going to be able to do, but you may even, you may be able to see fish, you know, and you might see a fish, but a, a poor presentation is not going to trigger a fish to go, I'm going to go eat that. That that presentation is terrible, but I'm still going to go eat it. If that presentation is terrible, they're probably going to let that, that presentation or that fly go on by. So no silver bullets. And it takes a little bit of time and a lot of effort sometimes to catch a fish. So connecting all these little pieces that we've tried to do over the past three years in this podcast, I think this brings in another piece for me that helps me understand more and more and more about what we're trying to do as far as catching fish and help folks catch fish. So when we lived in Montana, we lived on the Gallatin River and it's a freestone river. And so it changed every year and you had to relearn the river every year. The holes that, you know, by the end of the summer, you were just dialed on and you knew there's going to be fish there. The next year, those holes are gone, um, which is really cool about Freestone Rivers is that there's, it never gets boring, it's constantly changing. But what it helps you to do is think about, okay, that log fell or it came down the river and it changed the course. Uh, so it helps you learn how to read the water a little bit better. And these tailwaters here around Middle Tennessee, and I know it's the same way pretty much everywhere. Like in the spring, we get the floods, they turn the gates loose, they turn all the generators on, and it's looking down the river, it's the same basic river. But like you said, like one of them in particular, about 200 yards probably from the dam, there wasn't a tree there last year. Now this year there is, and it's it's slowly moved throughout the spring and this time during the summer, this is August, it's moved downstream about probably 30 feet. And there's a big ditch right behind it where it had moved and moved and moved and it sunk a little more and a little more and a little more. So absolutely it changes the the water is a fascinating thing, the way that it can move stuff around that you would never think it, you know, you would think, Oh, that'll be there forever. No, 
wait a minute, it's not even here anymore. It's gone. There was a, a huge, I mean, really big tree in a corner of one of the bends one time. And I came through there in the spring and I was like, well, I'll be there and that tree is gone. Then later in the summer, I had a guy that had a nice, really, it would have been the biggest rainbow of the year. And he hooked into it and it ran in this hole downstream of where that tree was. And I was like, all right. He said, what's in, is there anything in that hole? And I was like, nah, there's nothing in there. That fish ran in that hole. And I was like, oh crap, there's that tree. And the fish got off. That tree had moved a good football field down and just, it just settled in that hole. And I didn't, it was a deep hole. I just didn't know it was there until I really, until I had a reason to look. So it was a, water's water's a strange and powerful thing for sure so no doubt well let's let's talk about how you decided to become the founder of bio sunglasses we mentioned in the intro that you're the founder and ceo uh it's a fairly new company with uh your vision if you will no pun intended you define success pretty well on your uh on your website there why in the world did you start an outdoor eyewear company (laughs) You know, sometimes there's just, uh, you know, you don't have any other choice. You're like, well, what else am I going to do? Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I think we, you know, my wife, Marguerite, and I started that. We launched the company about a year and a half ago, but, you know, started working on it probably at the beginning of 2020 and um, right in the middle of a pandemic, which was created its own set of challenges. Yeah. But, you know, we honestly love, I mean, we love fishing. We, I'd worked for Coast to Sunglasses for, you know, almost 20 years and built that brand. And so we, you know, we knew the space really well. And, you know, we saw all the brands getting bought up by these gigantic foreign companies who I knew didn't really care about fishing, didn't really care that much about the local communities. You know, they were about global domination. And so I thought there'd be room for a company to come in uh, and sort of underneath that cared about the community, cared about fishing and, you know, cared about using business to do some good, you know, whether it's conservation or bringing young people in. Um, And, you know, people really like those kinds of companies, privately held, independent, really good on customer service, you know, as opposed to these giant companies that, you know, if something goes wrong, you don't really know who the heck to call or, or talk to about it. You know, it was one of those things, like we started talking about it and said, shoot, why not? Let's not have any regrets, man. Let's go for it. If a lot of people talk about starting a company or talk about doing something, but they don't do it. Um, and that's fine, but we decided we didn't want to do that, you know, be that kind of, have that kind of conversation where 10 years from now we're saying, man, we should have started that because look, these other guys did and look how successful they were. Right. Right. So, um, we just decided to go for it and it's been a wild ride already, but it's, it's turning out exactly like we hoped. And so we're, we're really happy. Our audience won't be able to see this. We normally just do audio audio only so the audience won't be able to see this but your whole facial expression just changed while you were talking about starting that company i mean there's no doubt that you you love what you're doing not that it's easy because i know it's not and you're right a lot of people you know talk about starting companies but once you once you hang your shingle out it's a whole different you know there's a lot on the line 
not just monetary, monetary, but also, you know, a lot of ego. If something goes wrong, you know, you have to eat, eat, eat your ego a little bit. And that's sometimes that's a daily thing, but I'm glad that there's a smaller company out there that people have an option to go to in this space because sometimes and not all the time. And I'm not specifically talking about eyeglasses here, but sometimes the company gets big enough, almost too big to where there's no accountability to answer your question or help you with what you truly need. There's just nobody really to go to other than somebody with a script, you know, that's, that's in a chat or in a, on a phone that is trying to read through a script for a specific problem you have. And the answer isn't in the script. The answer is just knowing something about the industry. And some of the larger companies are kind of, you know, like I say, they kind of get away from that. And so it's good to see that we've got some smaller companies, companies popping up here and there. And I, I like that. I like that type of service. And I like to see somebody's face light up whenever they start talking about starting their own company and, you know, and being in it for a year and a half and, also understanding the real struggles that are involved here. So we don't want to talk about those. We Nobody ever really wants to talk about those, but you know, those hard knocks, I guess is how we learn our, that's how I learned my lessons. You may be smarter than that, but I'm. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's one thing after another. It's, it's sort of whack-a-mole, you know, there's always something that comes up, but you just have to have a good attitude about it and know that you work the problem and you'll eventually work it out. You know, it takes a lot of energy but it's, you know, in the end, it's it's pretty cool because you're you control your own destiny and not necessarily uh, reporting to people who, you know, you don't want to report to or you don't like their direction. You're setting it yourself. And if you fail, it's your fault. If you win, it's it's your fault and all the other people who are helping because it's it's a team effort for sure. You know, no doubt. Let's let's move on to the next question here, Al. When I'm guiding folks, I get a lot of questions throughout the day and new folks coming on my boat. A lot of times they have the same questions in general. For instance, was that a fish <laughs> when their indicator goes down or whenever something boils up on their on their fly? Was that a fish? That's that's probably the most commonly asked question uh, that and can I have another water during the summer? But. <laughs> I think the question that I'm asked most often is which color lenses do you believe are the best for sunny, bright days, cloudy days, and early morning, late evening? That's kind of a three-part question again. And I know that we touched we touched on that earlier. I think um, I'm more interested in the the difference between sunny and cloudy than I am anything else. So can we talk about that just a minute? Yeah, sure. You know, lenses have, have a lot of different dimensions to them. So we talked a little bit about uh, the base lens color and the more red it has in it, the higher contrast. But a lens has a lot of different layers. It's like a sandwich. All of those layers together create that visual experience uh, that we're talking about. And so the base lens color is... Like I said, if you're sight fishing, uh, if you're on a river on the flats, you want a brown-based lens. Brown copper is another version of that. It has a little more red in it, and then red is is has a lot of red in it. Uh, and then you want to look at visual light transmission. So not all, all lenses let in the same amount of light. Some are really dark and don't let in much light at all, and some 
are really bright and let in a lot of light. You know, the lighter the lens, it, the lighter lenses are better in those cloudy conditions or low light, dawn and dust types of situations, just because they're letting in more light. And so your eye, you know, when there's not as much light out there, your eye needs more of it. Some lenses have a, a lower light transmission and those are great for sunny days. So for example, um, we have four lenses that have a brown base, green with a, a green mirror, the other is silver mirror, and then a pink and a purple mirror. Uh, and so those, the pink and the purple are more low light lenses. So the purple has about a 20% light transmission, it lets in 20% of the light. The pink has about a 16, lets in 16% of the light. Silver is 14% and green is 12%. The blue, which has a gray base, is more for offshore, only lets in 10%. So that's the darkest lens. So if I'm fishing down, you know, in Belize or Bahamas or a place where the sun is super bright, I'll wear the green all day long. And then later in the day, or if it's cloudy, I'll wear the pink or the purple. Uh, so that's, and then if, if you just want to buy one pair and don't want to have a low light and a full sun, the one in the middle is silver, and that works really well in all those light conditions. You know, the other thing is that once you, when you get older, lots of times you need more light to be able to see as well as you did when you were younger. And I would put myself in that category. So sometimes I'll start out the morning with the pink or purple lens for the low light. But then I'll just wear it all day long. That works for me all day long. I think I've got amber in one pair. I had a pair of reds. Uh, I think I gave them to somebody. So brightening up that light coming in or getting, you know, getting a little brighter to help my eyes. I've often wondered, is that hurting my eyes by letting in more light all day long every day? Or is it or is there enough something in the lens to help me not harm my eyes? You know, like. You were, you mentioned earlier that the light coming in through the lens is not quite as harsh, I guess. Yeah, the sun has a lot of ultraviolet light, and that's that's the kind of light that is real harmful to your eyes. It can create macular degeneration, cataracts, any of those eye problems. That comes, so you should really wear sunglasses anytime you're outside. Super important. Like I mentioned before, if the glasses are flat, then there's a lot of room for light to come into the side. And what happens is it comes in through the side and it bounces off the back of the lens and then back into your eye. So mm. it's just like you're not wearing sunglasses at all. So for our glasses and, you know, some others have it as well, we have what's called a backside AR coating, anti-reflective coating is what AR. And so what happens when light does come through and it hits the back of the lens it absorbs that light and doesn't let it bounce back into your eye. So that's super helpful. And then having glasses that don't let much light in the sides is really important. Um, and then having 100% UV protection for light coming straight in, that's important as well. So UV protection rating, anti-reflective backside coating, and then an eight base wrap with thick thick temples or good sun blocking capability, those things will increase uh, the eye protection level significantly. So I would recommend all this. I'm thinking about both pair of glasses that I have and they're 
they're fairly thin on the sides where they come over your ear and come up and connect. The side pieces are mm-hmm. thin. Now they're pretty tight around the top of my face and down at my cheeks, but there's big holes in the sides, you know, where, where I don't have a, a thick side piece to it. So totally makes sense. I'm, I'm learning as, as I usually do. I'm learning a ton through this conversation as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got just a little bit more time here before time is up. I want to close out. I want to close out with one question that we ask everybody. And that is what is the one thing we haven't asked about sight fishing that you think would help the listener that I should have asked? Well, we've talked about a lot. I think going back to, I think that that idea of not looking too hard, not trying too hard to see is actually going to help you see better. I think that's something that, you know, when I, I fish for permit a lot in saltwater and, you know, you see permit because they have their sickle that sticks up out of the water. And there's a lot of things that stick up out of the water that aren't permit. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, we, we call them the permit mirages. And, uh, and if you sit there and you stare at something long enough, you're going to believe that it's, it's moving. There's something there. Uh, most of the time there's not, but when you actually do see a sickle, there's no doubt that that's, that's what it is. Uh, so you can wish wish something was there as much as you want to, but you know that's not going to make it be true. Uh, so I would just say, don't look too hard. Keep it relaxed, and the fish will present themselves. Fishing's supposed to be fun and relaxing, but if you're staring all day trying to make a fish appear, you'll go home tired and a lot of times disappointed too. So I think I, I agree with that totally. It's just relax yourself. I don't do that all the time, but <laughs> don't do as I say, do as I do, do as I say in that case. <laughs> no uh, well, let's go ahead and close this thing out. There's a, Al, there's a ton of good information in there. Now I wish I had gone back for 10 years or 15 years when I started guiding and be able to know the answers to some of these questions. I'm going to have to study some of this for sure so that I can give somebody better a better answer than here, try these, you know, try these glasses and see what you think. Uh, and it just happens to be whichever I've got on my face. It's not like I'm steering anybody. I just, I got what I think I like. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and close this thing out. If you find value in the podcast, share the episode uh, with your friends and your fishing partners, drop by the Southeastern fly store and explore the merch that fuels this podcast. Let's go over who we've been talking to today. He was an, he's an advisor and a consultant for companies in the outdoor industry. He invested much of his career in eyewear, which I think if you listen to the technical side of his answers, you'll understand that for sure. He's the founder and CEO of Bahio Sunglasses. Uh, you can find him at www.bahiosunglasses.com. Al, and thank you for stopping by the podcast and giving us this good information. Very helpful. Well, I hope so. Thank you, David, for having me and enjoyed it a whole bunch. Well, you just listened to Al Perkinson on the Southeastern Flies podcast. See you next time. <laughs>